we're live. All right. We should be really, really like hip with the kids and get some like sound files of running water <laughs> and just like <laughs> take two. Welcome to the debut podcast of the Maroon Weekly. I'm your host, Austin. And I'm Miles. We're both first years, and this is going to be the Maroon's new weekly podcast covering everything you Chicago. So every week, we'll be bringing you tons of great content. We're going to recap the last week's news. We're going to have a couple of featured stories, and we'll be bringing you a preview of what's to come in the upcoming week. Also, I have a fun, cool, neat tech fact, so watch out for those. This week, we're bringing you a primer on the Obama Presidential Library, and we're going to talk to you about what UCSC did in relation to MLK Day. So what happened last week, Miles? Well, dozens of students woke up at dawn every morning to celebrate the university's annual tradition of Kuvia. Huh, did you know Active Minds and Access U Chicago celebrated See Through Stigma Week? I didn't, but I do know that the women's basketball team claims 10 straight wins, winning 72-63 to yesterday against Brandeis. Damn, they were killing it. Well, we also have some more stats about Class of 2021 that were published to the Chicago Maroon. You should definitely check that out on the website. In other news, UC Dems teamed up with the College Democrats of Illinois to host a public forum for candidates in the Attorney General for Illinois Democratic primary race. Wow, that sounds like it went great. On the other hand, the Polsky Exchange had a pipe burst. Luckily, there were no injuries, but the entire North Building got absolutely wrecked. <laughs> no, that's not accurate. <laughs> oh, okay. Just I, I, no, just all their, the all, their inter- all their internet infrastructure well, got t- Apparently, bunged. everything got soaked. Like, they had to remove drywall and stuff. Yeah, like the but, like, the building was not destroyed. Repairs are ongoing. However, the South Building remains open. The meds started selling beer, much to the joy of upperclassmen. And if you haven't heard about it yet, check out news reporter Emily Mao's coverage of the Social Science Research Center's new Violence, Law, and Politics Lab, which investigates the historical policy context around homicide waves to better understand the dynamics of urban crime. Recently, you may have heard something about a CBA in relation to the Obama Presidential Library, so we wanted to find out more. The South Side was announced as the future location of the Obama Presidential Library in May of 2015, but it wasn't until two years later in May of last year that the foundation unveiled its preliminary plan. The foundation hopes to start construction by the end of this year, with the grand opening expected in 2021. The library as proposed would take up 3.6 acres of what is now parkland, but the foundation believes the closure of Cornell Drive, a six-lane road which runs through Jackson Park, will make up for this loss of park space. The foundation estimates 5,000 jobs created during construction, as well as an additional 2,500 permanent jobs in the area, with a projected total economic impact of $3.1 billion in its first 10 years. Architects estimate that the project's three main buildings, the museum, library, and community forum, will together amass over 200,000 square feet. While groups first began to organize following the foundation's initial announcement, the Obama Library Southside Community Benefits Agreement Coalition did not publish an official platform until September 29, 2016. Since then, the coalition membership has grown from 4 to 13 members, including the Chicago Teachers Union, Black Youth Project, and Friends of the Park. Since then, the discussions surrounding the CBA have been met with fierce debate. Proponents of the CBA have hosted community information sessions, letter-writing campaigns, marches, protests, and more. Meanwhile, foundation officials and others have continued to oppose signing a CBA. We spoke to Alex Ward, a news reporter for the Maroon, to talk about his coverage of the Obama Presidential Center. Here's the most important thing. Michelle and I want this center to be more than just a building. We want to create an economic engine for the South Side of Chicago, a cultural attraction that showcases the South Side to the rest of the world. We want it to be a gathering place, somewhere for all kinds of people to come together and learn, not just from history or current events, but from each other. What you just heard was a piece of audio from the Obama Foundation about the Presidential Center. 
We sat down with one of our news reporters to get caught up on the story so far. I'm Alex Ward. I'm a reporter with the Chicago Maroon. I'm a third year in the college. And for the Maroon, I sort of cover um, the generally the development of the Obama Presidential Center. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Recently, there's been a lot of coverage on the Maroon about the center's parking lot. Could you fill us in on that story? The main issue with the garage um, seems to be, as you said, the location. The original idea that the center had for the garage was that it would be sort of a two-story above-ground structure with a landscaped sloping roof on the east end of the midway. So there's past the metro tracks, there's sort of an open green space. And, um, different residents definitely had different reasons um, for objecting. Um, there were... There were some groups that were concerned that sort of building the garage there would disrupt um, Jackson Park and the Midway's sort of historic connection since they, they were designed together by Frederick Law Olmsted and his partner Calvert Vox as um, sort of a, a, a parks network. And there was definitely concern that um, building a garage there would, would break up the flow between those two parks. Um, and there was also just concern that the garage, with the garage, there would be a loss of green space. Other than the location of the parking lot, what other concerns does the community have with the center? There's concern about the, the loss of a, a fairly large amount of park space. Um, and then the other big issue is the closing of Cornell Drive, which cuts through that part of, the, um, of Jackson Park um, and is a, a fairly large six-lane um, roadway. So those are those are the issues with the plan itself. I also think there are some, or there are also some um, issues that are, are more related to just any development of this size um, in an area, um, basically a historically underserved area like um, like this part of the South Side. There's concerns both about um, the potential potential downsides and benefits of the center. Um, Downsides mainly involving concerns about um, residents being forced out. The other big story around the Obama Center is the discussion surrounding a proposed community benefits agreement, aka a CBA. Could you explain exactly what a CBA is? Um, so, a community benefits agreement um, is the idea of getting sort of a written, a written legally binding agreement between the developers and the community. Um, so there would actually be three community benefits agreements between one each with the, the city of Chicago, the Obama Foundation, and the University of Chicago, which has been a sort of important part of the development that the university originally proposed the site. People are looking for a CBA um, both to sort of mitigate the potential gentrification and the potential for um, residents to be negatively affected, but also to, just to make sure that potential benefits of the center, like like that imp those employment numbers that the foundation was discussing and the the economic benefit, as well as you know potentials for educational opportunities. And so, what exactly are the Obama Foundation's reasons for being opposed to the CBA? The Obama Foundation has 
pushed back on this, as have various other entities associated with the development. Um, the, in, in September, there was a meeting um, between developers and some members of the community where Barack Obama personally sort of voiced opposition to the idea of a community benefits agreement. And he, his, his basic argument was that the foundation does actually have good intentions. Um, you know, they, they actually do want to bring benefits to the South Side. They don't want to force people out. And that um, when, you, when you agree to something like a community benefits agreement, you're, you're saying you're signing a deal with certain people. Um, and it, there's sort of a, an implication, but also a potential practical effect of that these people are cut in on a deal. Other people want other people and other organizations want to be part of that deal, and they want to get um, part of some of the benefits. Thanks, Alex, for chatting with Austin and I about that. If you want to find out more as the story develops, you should follow the Maroons' coverage. Next up, we have an interview conducted by Grace Hauk. Grace, who'd you talk to? Hey, Miles. Thanks for having me. So I actually chatted with Amy Chan, who is the Dean and Director of the University of Chicago Community Service Center, which is UCSC. It's actually part of the Office of Civic Engagement, and it focuses on providing people exposure to various social justice issues in Chicago and shows them how to get involved. So we chatted about the work that volunteers did on Saturday in honor of MLK Day, as well as a little bit about the upcoming homeless count. Also, most people don't know that UCSC is actually located right across from Ratner, kind of by that parking garage near North. So feel free to stop in with any questions and chat with UCSC. Let's take a listen. We're really excited to have this opportunity to host this annual event in partnership with our wonderful colleagues at the Lab School as well as UC Charter. How many and years have you been doing this now? So this is our third year of collaborating with the Lab School as well as UC Charter. Uh, but prior to that, it was an event that UCSC historically has hosted since our founding, uh, when Michelle Obama was our founding director 20 years ago. I grew up just a few miles from the University of Chicago in my hometown. The institution made no effort to reach out to me, a bright and promising student in their midst, and I had no reason to believe there was a place for me there. Therefore, when it came time for me to apply to college, I never for one second considered the university in my own backyard as a viable option. And as fate would have it, I ultimately went on and accepted a position in student affairs at the University of Chicago more than a decade later. I wanted desperately to be involved in helping to break down the barriers that existed between the campus and the community. And in less than a year through that position, I worked with others to build the university's first Office of Community Service. And today, the office continues to provide students with opportunities to help reshape relationships between the university and its surrounding community. Students there today are volunteering in local elementary schools, serving as mentors at high schools, organizing neighborhood watches, and working so with really proud to be able to continue the wonderful legacy that Michelle Obama put forth 21 years ago in seeing the University of Chicago as a place where students in particular could find a way to integrate service and civic engagement into a rigorous academic life. Our MLK Day of Service event theme 
is the fierce urgency of now. What Dr. King message in his I Have a Dream speech. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time. It's like, what is urgent that we're observing in our society that can allow us to be an asset. So tomorrow in the morning, there will be the service component, and then the afternoon, we will have a keynote dialogue at the Max P Cinema um, with two U Chicago alums. So we have 16 off-site organizations, and they're on the south side, so Washington Park, Whitlawn, Bronzeville, Englewood, South Shore, South Chicago. And many of the organizations focus on various issues, uh, education, college access, um, arts, uh, health, uh, poverty, homelessness. So s the volunteers will be participating in uh, the projects that we ask the community partners to propose. So uh, for example, uh, one service site, Ray Elementary, they will be helping to catalog and sort books. Our other partner, Chicago Youth Programs in Washington Park, they're having the volunteers uh, just organize and prepare the spaces for uh, their after-school programming. Featherfist um, is preparing um, for their annual homeless data count in partnership with the city of mm -hmm. Chicago. So, When is that data count? That is happening on Thursday, January 25th. Okay. And so listeners, if you hear that, feel free to get yes. involved. <laughs> Please do get involved. And this is our fourth year participating with about five to seven different organizations on the south side where we deploy teams of volunteers um, to work closely with the staff of these various organizations serving the homeless uh, population to do a data count to inform the city of the allocation of resources and really address an issue that's very prevalent in the city. And you mentioned that there are 16 offsite locations where projects will be taking place yes. tomorrow. Um, what's going on on campus? Yeah, it's a really exciting new project. Um, our second year of partnering with a nonprofit called Rise Against Hunger, as well as the Kraft Heinz um, Foundation, to do a meal packaging activity at the lab school. This has turned out to be a wonderful activity, especially for the little kids. There are different stations where there is the wing of the micronutrients and the packaging and then taking it um, to the truck that will then, you know, all these meals that are packaged. And our challenge is to package with the 150 volunteers that we're projecting, 30,000 meals that will be delivered to developing countries. So, developing countries. Exactly. Not even, go to global. Not even just on the south side. You're literally shipping these yes. meals. So they ship them to India, they ship them to Africa. And so it's a wonderful way for us to have the volunteers learn about um, hunger issues across the world, across the globe, but also to do something very meaningful. And that's 150 volunteers just on campus. Correct. How many volunteers will be going around the south side of Chicago? We're anticipating 250 uh, 
for our 16 offsite um, community partner organizations wow. who are, again, doing tremendous work. So of the 400 or so volunteers mm -hmm. then, are those mostly undergrads at Chicago? Are they mostly students from lab school? Yeah, great question. This is the only annual event that actually spans the entire spectrum of the UChicago community. So elementary, middle school students, high school students, undergrads, graduate students, alumni, faculty. Uh, I had yesterday a parent of a second year student who works at Northwestern Reach. I was like, I heard about the event from my daughter. Is there a way for me to get involved? And I said, again, absolutely. Uh, the more the merrier. We really see the day of service and um, our MLK day of service as an entry point for further engagement. So oftentimes these days of service is like great that we have the people power to do a lot of things that the organizations that might have limited staff capacity um, to do, like organizing and just making sure that um, the infrastructure is set up. But we hope that just due to the various issues that they're addressing, education, arts, health, that students will explore. I really would encourage our listeners to consider how to get involved. And there are so many ways to do so, but everyone has a place in improving uh, the social fabric of our society, especially our amazing city of Chicago. Our website is ucsc.uchicago.edu. Feel free to reach out to me at amychan, C-H-A-N, at uchicago.edu, and I'd be happy to sit down with you to have a chat. And to those listening, happy MLK Day. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing, check out our weekly arts cast. First episode coming this Wednesday on VR Games, UT's production of As You Like It and more. Thanks, Dean Chan and Grace, and I encourage all of you guys to make use of UCSC and check out what they have to offer. If you couldn't make it to UCSC's service day on Saturday, check out civil rights leader Professor Timuel Black's afternoon tour of the South Side, where he'll talk about his work with Dr. King and civil rights in Chicago. The program will begin in a couple hours, around 11.30 this morning. And stop by Rockefeller Chapel tonight at 6 p.m. to hear reporter and activist Dorothy Butler Gilliam's keynote commemoration address. So, Austin, what's coming up next week? So, Miles, if you like jazz, the third Tuesday Jazz is at Logan Center this January 16th at 7 p.m., hosted by the Hyde Park Jazz Society, featuring Ari Brown. In other music news, you can hear the early music ensemble at 4 p.m. in Fulton Hall on January 18th. On January 19th, Coop presents the Snowball at the Chicago Cultural Center. For other great events, check out chicagomaroon.com events for an interactive calendar where you can see everything going on on campus. So, Austin, here's with the sweet fact for this week. Okay, so the Consumer Electronics Show was last week, biggest tech show of the year, and there were a ton of cool gadgets. However, the coolest was the Selfie phone case drone. So it was a Kickstarter project that raised over a million dollars and partnered with a drone technologies company. And what it is is it's a phone case that's about half an inch thick, the size of like an OtterBox case, that has a drone built into it. So the drone pops out, you can throw it up in the air, and it'll help you like take selfie shots, you can get some sick panorama shots with it. It has full HD, um, 60 frames per second, it only costs $130, 45 feet of range, it's so cool. You gotta check it out.
Thanks for tuning in this week. First off, we want to thank Grace, our podcast contributor. We want to also thank Alex Ward and Dean Chan for their interviews. Thanks to the entire Logan Cage staff, Ben and Kent, for their technical assistance. And thanks to Aaron Seninen for the original music. Finally, thanks to Catherine McDonald for her continued support of this project. I'm Austin. And I'm Miles. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.